hold yourself accountable to being the best person that you can be, the best horseman you can be, which will make you the best rider you can be. Welcome to the Major League Eventing Podcast, the show for eventing fans by eventing fans. And as usual, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Cowboy Magic. Karen, what are we highlighting this week? This week, we have the Cowboy Magic Detangler and Shine. So it detangles all types of hair knots, tangles, and dreadlocks instantly, no matter how difficult hair is to manage. The silk protein in Cowboy Magic Detangler and Shine results in a high reflecting shine after brushing. And... It works on humans too. Well, when I when my mullet gets all tangled up, Karen. <laughs> yeah, you need and it. It gets naughty. This is what I use. Yeah, this is my secret. <laughs> this is my secret to my anti-tangled mullet. So, but in, in all seriousness, though, it is it is fantastic stuff. Thank you mm-hmm. so much, Cowboy Magic. Get that detangler. You know what it's like. You pull that horse out of the field, and they're all tangled up, and you don't have any time for yeah. that, do you? Oh yeah. So, get some Cowboy Magic detangler and shine, and get to work. So, thanks a lot, Cowboy Magic. The Buckeye Nutrition brand is part of Mars Horse Care US. Yup, that's the same Mars that makes your favorite chocolate. Our mission is to make the world a better place for horses, and we excel at creating the healthiest, highest quality feed and supplement products made just for horses, no chocolate included. And the people behind those amazing feed formulas all have advanced graduate degrees focusing specifically on equine nutrition. We're kind of a bunch of horse nutrition geeks. So, where can you find such awesome products for your horse? Simply head to BuckeyeNutrition.com, then click on the Find a Dealer link. We've made it that easy for you to locate a Buckeye Nutrition dealer closest to you. No dealer near you? No sweat. One of our online retailers will ensure you can have Buckeye Nutrition feeds delivered to your door wherever you are. So be sure to check out BuckeyeNutrition.com and start making the world a better place for your horse. Red and Goat is not just for winter anymore. The Red and Goat rain gear is here. Order yours today by clicking the link in the show notes or go to RedandGoatEquestrian.com. I'm Karen. And I'm Rob. Karen, another super exciting Major League of Any Very podcast. exciting, yes. So we have another Olympian on, Karen. Oh, yeah. Not only just an Olympian, but an Olympic silver medalist. Yes. Welcome to the show, Jill Hennenberg. Thanks for coming Welcome. to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. So exciting, yeah, Very exciting. I guess so. Yes. I'm such an Olympic nerd. So we have uh, 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 Jill got what, Team Silver, right, Jill? And the Atlanta Games, right? That was 96? Oh, God, don't age me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't. I can't believe it was 24 years ago. Wow. It's absolutely insane. Wow. Uh, but yes, it was in Atlanta in '96. It's still very cool because right now I currently live an hour from Atlanta. So, you know, I've gone over to Centennial Park and to see sort of the team's name on the plaque there, and um, you know, it sort of brings it all back. That is so cool. That I remember last really year, cool. Karen Jill put on Facebook that she had her lunch on the podium that she stood on. Is that right? You were Yeah, they have um they have the podium at Chat Hills. Oh wow. wow. Okay. In their in their pavilion. 
Um, so there were, there was like no seating, nothing was, so all of a sudden there was like two chairs by the podium and I was like, I think I'll go have my lunch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unlike most everyone else there, you earned a spot on the podium. (laughs) That's got your footprints on it. That is so cool. It does. That it does. Now it has her butt print, Karen. (laughs) 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 That's just my corniness, of course. (laughs) So, hey, uh, we we always like to find out since you're coming to us remotely, where where, where are you coming to us from? Where are you now? You said you're about an hour outside of Atlanta. Yeah, I am in Watkinsville, Georgia. Um, which is right outside of Athens, um, where the University of Georgia is. Gotcha. How far outside of Atlanta is that? Is that? So, uh, I mean, probably about an hour and 15 minutes. Gotcha. Atlanta, not, believe it not or not. Too bad. Yeah, Atlanta is is one of our top two all-time most downloaded cities for this podcast, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Atlanta, I mean, it's a, yep. Yeah. I mean, it's a, Georgia has a lot of horse people. Yeah, they're into it. So shout out to our, shout out to our Georgian listeners, big time. Whoop whoop, raise the roof, right, Karen? <laughs> oh, Jill. Jill's Jill's hate. She's like, why did I sign up for this? I right? no, it's, it's great. I love you guys. I love oh. your sense of humor. It's great. Oh, thanks. So, Jill, could you take us back and tell us how you actually got your start in riding and then into eventing? Yeah. So. You know, when my parents, when I was 11, my parents were going through a divorce and um, one of our neighbors, um, her daughter rode horses and her daughter is actually now like still an event rider and is a very good vet and FEI vet that works for Haggard in Kentucky. I'm still friends with her. Um, So my mother asked me if I had any interest in taking riding lessons and so obviously I was a, you know, I mean, I was a little girl that loved horses. So I was like, heck yeah, man, that's awesome. <laughs> um, and then when I was 13, so I just took sort of the once a week lesson and I half boarded a horse for a little while and I actually started at a little hunter barn um, and then switched to an eventing barn. And then when I was 13, I actually got my Olympic horse Wow. Um, for 600 bucks off the racetrack. Um, I'd seen her um, ad in a local tack shop um, on the bulletin board. And so, yeah. So, you know, I mean, she, you know, it's funny because I, you know, as an instructor now, I'm, I'm pretty like cautious about a 13 year old green kid going and getting the three year old off the track thoroughbred. Incredible. Um, but it was, you know, sort of what we could afford. And I I think my instructor at the time knew that I was an incredibly tenacious kid. I had no fear. Um, I worked really hard. And so, you know, I, I think that she just thought it was sort of worth a go. Wow. Um, and thank God. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, we would, and it's like you say that. It's like we would never, and no 13-year-old should ever get a three-year-old off the track thoroughbred. It's yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've been riding for for a couple of years, and I had done some shows, and you know, I wasn't a complete novice. I mean, right. I wasn't, I wasn't complete green, um, but I probably wouldn't necessarily recommend it to too many kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I was, you know, 
I just was sort of hook, line, and sinker about the whole thing when it came to the horses. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I guess that's sort of what it takes to go to the Olympics on your, you know, green $600 horse. <laughs> that's wow. incredible. And that's Jeez. Nirvana 2, two. right? Nirvana 2. Yeah. yeah. Man, it's that's awesome. incredible. Yeah. So awesome. What a story. Now, did that coach stay with you? Like, was it like that coach, uh, helped you every day? So funny thing, funny thing is, and I mean, I'm still friends with all my coaches throughout the years, but she, I actually left her when I was going novice because she told me that she didn't know if the mayor would go training level. She didn't, she didn't know she had enough jump to go training level. Wow. (laughs) And so it's, you know, and, and she sort of always tells this story because I made the decision that I wanted to go to somebody else because I didn't really want to be told that that was the end of the road. And she always tells the story about how this, you know, 14 year old kid went up to her and said, Hey, I've made a decision to switch trainers. You know, normally the parents do that. I, you know, and she always tells a story about how she always had so much respect for me because even as a kid, I marched up to her and I said, thank you for everything you've done, but I think it's time for me to move along. Um, and I've, you know, I've known her for years. I mean, she threw fundraisers for me for the Olympics and, um, my best friends in New Jersey rode with her for years. I mean, she was a great trainer. You know, I just, uh, you know, I mean, I, you're a teen, when you're a teenager, you want to prove every adult wrong. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Wow. Especially you, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, would so, you think at that time that, do you think at that time the, 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 it wasn't jumping big or was it just type of horse that just didn't over jump things? And uh, is that, no, I mean, she had, she had a great jump. I mean, I just think it was Kathy's lack of experience. Mm. I don't think that she had really ever sort of known what an upper level horse was made of. And I think because the mare was 15, three with shoes and studs on concrete uphill, (laughs) you know, um, I, I don't, I just think that she thought, you know, she's just this slight little thoroughbred that's probably not going to sort of make it. Um, so I ended up going to her sister who is Debbie Adams. Um, and Debbie Adams still owns a bunch of horses. I think Kurt Martin rides some and she owns all the DA horses. Okay. Um, and she took me through the preliminary level and doing, um, well, what's now two star. Wow. And then where'd you uh, go from there? How'd you, what, what, what? From there, I was offered um, a working student internship with Michael Godfrey, who has ridden for the U.S. And um, he was the young rider coach at the time. So he was also incredibly good with hot mares. Um, he had a mare named Shannon. He he actually had sort of a barn full of mares. It's sort of what people sent him. Hmm. Um, and so he actually scouted me out at a horse show and invited me into his program. Wow. Um, and I worked for him and with him through the Olympics. Really? Wow. wow. Holy yeah. smokes. Wow. 
Man, I love so, that story, Karen. It is. You know, that so story cool. gives so many people hope right now. You know, like, it gives me hope, you know I mean? Because there's a lot of people out there that listen and don't have huge budgets. And mm-hmm. maybe, you know, maybe maybe they're taking that horse that they're in love with that they think it's got the stuff and everyone's telling them yeah, it doesn't. Right. Or, yeah, there's a lot. So. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you know, you, I, I mean, look, it, it, not every horse is going to be an Olympic horse, but you can make your horse the best that it can be to whatever level it's the it's going to. Um, but you know, like I rode my bike to the barn after school every day, 12 miles Wow! for four years until I got my driver's license. Um, cause my mother passed my barn on her way home from work and she worked an hour away. And so I, you know, if I wanted to ride my horse, the deal was I rode my bike out there. I rode my horse. She picked me up on the way home from work and we threw the bike on a bike rack. Wow. That was the way that life was. Um, and you, you know, you have to want it. You know, I mean, I do see a lot of kids these days that, and, and I, and I've had a few of them where I've said, you know, I feel like riding's a chore for you. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you do it? If you don't like get excited to go to the barn, if you don't like even going to the barn on your horse's day off to groom it, to make sure it's okay, to spend time with it, to develop a relationship with it. If that doesn't float your boat and make you excited, I don't know why you do it. Right. Yeah. There's so many other things you can do. Find what it doesn't. I I have to tell people just because you don't want to do horses doesn't make you a bad person. Like it's okay. It's okay to go do something else. But if you're gonna do horses, have a passion about it, have a drive about it, because you will not be good unless you do. Yeah. Amen. To that, yeah, Karen. Absolutely. Especially in the sport of eventing. There are no fakers in the sport of eventing. That's so true. You either work your ass off and you get things done. And you practice and practice and practice, and you're willing to practice in all three phases, or the results aren't there. Yeah. Wow. Just the way it is. I believe that. Oh, yeah. And if you just look at who you were on that team with, you know, Bruce, you know, Karen, Karen and David. And David O'Connor. I mean, like. Yeah, like, I mean, you think, like, as a tw- little 21 year old kid, that wasn't a little intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> And all three of them, all three of them are like the hardest working people that you know. You know, so it's yeah. Like, I was like, well, okay then. <laughs> wow. Can you tell us about how that? How did that? How did you? How did that experience go? Like, how did you get at twenty one years old get selected on the team? What was that road like? Um, it was really weird, you know. Um, especially like that year was, you know, it was it was very different, right? Because it was in the U.S. So we had a 21 person shortlist. Wow. Um, just because, you know, I mean, we were all basically self-funded during all the training sessions because it was in the States. And so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I remember like the final selection trial at North Georgia and after all the horses, you know, got looked at by the vets and, you know, they came to the conclusion of team members, individuals, because that was 
back when they were run into, you know, as separate competitions. Um, they, well, I still, they, they run it that way now. Um, they sat us all down in a courtyard to announce it. And I mean, it's like, it's like, it was the most intense, nerve wracking, you know, I'm sitting there with people that, I, you know, like had been my idols. You know, I mean, I remember like at Floor League Horse Trials when I was a kid, we'd be like, let's go get Bruce's pennies from him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I always wanted my braids to look just like Bruce's or my blankets to be folded like his. Like these people were my idols. Right. Yeah. And here I am sitting there like waiting to hear if I'm going to ride with them. Wow. Um, and I remember my name was second to be announced. No, it was third to be announced on the team. Wow. After yeah. that, I heard nothing. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I, bet. <laughs> like, I just remember sitting there going, wait, is this like for real? Like, am I like, did I just, am I really going to the Olympic games? Uh. You know, it was just like the most bizarre crazy experience that you could possibly have in your entire life wow Jeez that is so, cool. so i'd have i'd have been i don't at 21 years old i definitely was not i, I don't even know if i would have been able to at the, grasp it you know like how special you know it it's it, what i it's 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 interesting right because um I think it's really hard when sort of the biggest thing that you've ever done in your life was done that early. I mean, I'm hoping, I mean, I, I think I've done some really cool things since then, but like it's, I definitely went through a period where it was like really hard for me emotionally to be like, like when I decided to sort of phase out competing and phase more into coaching because I was really enjoying it, mm -hmm. there was like this sense of like failure, you know, this sense of like, wow, like I'm like demoting, I'm like being demoted, like as I get older, but then you start realizing, no, like you're not like, this is just a different chapter, right? Like this is just you, you actually producing what you used to be. Right. Um, you know, I mean, I worry a little bit sometimes when, when you know, kids sort of get to the top of the game, uh, you know, when they peak a bit early. Um, it's it, it's not easy. You know, I mean, it is, it is, it's not an easy road. Um, and, you know, and, and there's great highs and there's great lows and, you know, you have to be sort of, you have to be a little tough. Like I'm, I'm sure it has made me the person that I am today for sure. sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And yeah. after, after the games, were you, were you on other teams after that or anything or did... no? So I was, um, like I was on the list to go to, uh, badminton the next year, which had been like a big, huge dream of mine. And my mare, I ran her at the first event of the season, just in a little intermediate and ran around with like 20 time penalties just to have a canter around. And she put a 50% hole in her tendon. Oh, oh no. no. And so, you know, back then it was very much, you know, you stuck them in a stall for a year kind of thing. Um, and I just decided that I wasn't going to do that to her because she didn't owe me anything. Sure. 
Um, so I bred her. Um, I had won a breeding to a horse named Espiritu that Sue Ockington had. Um, I had won the breeding for highest place mare at Kentucky. So I went ahead and bred to that stallion. Um, and, you know, just sort of said, like, you don't owe me anything. Like, you have a home for life. And, uh, and then I just, you know, started producing other horses. Wow. That's very mature for someone at 22, 23 years old to even make that decision. Yeah, I just, I mean, she was one of a kind. I mean, how many people went to the Olympics on their first horse? Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Like That is incredible. um, She just, she always had a home for life. She was always my, you know, I mean, really, she was my pet. Like, she was my girl. She was like, she was the other, like, half of me. Wow. I mean, when I was a kid and 17 years old, driving around in my truck and tr- I mean, it would literally be me and my horse driving across the country. You know, I mean, my parents were like, see you, Jill. You have your driver's license. I'll be <laughs> wow. and, you know, no cell phones, no nothing. Just me and my horse driving across the country competing. Wow. Oh, wow. Damn. So, yeah, there was. I don't have the courage to do that by myself now. <laughs> <laughs> there was a point where she got so attached to me that if I walked away from the stall, she would start climbing the wall screaming for me. Wow. Like it was Jesus. it was so bizarre. Like I would have to sneak like I would have to like feed her some grain and like sneak away. Oh. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Oh my goodness. Cuz we were just always together, you know. Wow. Oh. Wow. And then you said you you bred a horse and then you kind of started trying to develop uh, another string. Yep. I mean, I, I bred her and, um, he ended up being a four star horse. I sold him, uh, as a preliminary horse. Um, and Heather Morris rode him through the four star level. Um, he actually just passed away Mm. like two months ago. Mm. Um, and she passed away. It'll be two years this December, but Mm. she lived until she was almost 34. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. No, she was, I mean, she was a tough girl. She was a really tough girl. That is awesome. Did she retire straight? Like that was it? No more to be ridden? Or did she kind of help with some young riders and stuff? Um, so she retired and then, um, it's actually a funny story. One of my students now, Morgan Brown, um, who actually owns the farm in Watkinsville where I live and I do a bunch of training out of. Um, she was a student of mine when I used to live in Tallahassee when she was like 12. And it just, it was like happenstance that we ended up in Athens. Um, and I let her ride my mare for a while. Um, and she actually sort of took her to like five events that I, she, I don't think Morgan had ever evented before. She took her to like five events and I was like, okay, you're going to go run around the prelim at Red Hills. <laughs> and Morgan was like, Are you serious? And I was like, yep, yeah, you're just going to go do it. And she I don't know, finished eighth or something in a big prelim division. Wow. Um, so I let her, I let Morgan ride her for a while, but I, you know, I was always concerned you know, because I basically, I just sort of turned her out with the tendon and, and let her have babies. Like I never really did much for it. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, I wasn't going to have anything happen to her. Right. You know, I didn't want her to break down or have anything bad happen to her. So, um, yeah, then she just kind of, 
You know, the, the thing about the mayor um, is that she didn't enjoy, she wasn't a horse that liked to go hacking. Hmm. She wasn't a horse that just, she wasn't enjoyable that way. She was a competitor. She wanted to work and work and work. And so, it, you know, it wasn't the kind of thing where I was like, oh, I'll go take her for a trail ride right. because it would have been like the most miserable experience of both of our lives with her jigging sideways. <laughs> That's so uh, awesome. That was just the way she was. It was the way that she was until, I mean, I think they finally took the nose chain off of her when she was like 32. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love I mean, that. I love hearing stories. Of yeah, like I love that. it when they're like the way that. She was. I mean, I'd go. I'd go see her. She was with some friends of mine in Maryland because I didn't. She wanted to like. She didn't want to live in a stall, and I didn't. I just felt like Georgia was a bit like oppressively hot for an old horse, and so she lived with some friends of mine up in Maryland. Um, and I would go up and visit her, and she had this little pony named Coco Puff, who was her very best friend. <laughs> And you couldn't separate them and you couldn't like they had to be together at all times. And, you know, I'd go up and I'd be like, this is stupid. I'm not going to put a chain on my 32 year old horse. And sure. I mean, I would end up putting a chain on the 32. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love those horses so, like that. I mean, the nice colored ones are nice, but yeah, I like the feisty ones. She's the, she was the, best thing that ever happened to me that's for sure that is awesome that is so yeah. cool <laughs> so you, you kind of mentioned that uh, like if we kind of get into more today like at some point in time you decided all right less competition more training more coaching um can you take us like t- tell us about that and then lead that into basically what what you're doing today in your in your business yeah so for a while i sort of did both um and you know, I, I got to a point, right, that I was mostly competing. I was importing horses quite a lot. Um, so I was mostly competing to sell horses. Um, I wasn't really competing with sort of any goals of making a team again. And um, and so when I started coaching, I just came to this very bizarre sort of realization that the adrenaline rush that I got coming through the finish flags was not nearly the adrenaline rush that I got seeing my students come through the the finish flags. And I have always said, if you're going to do horses for a living, you know that it's not going to make you rich. So do what you love within horses. Um, And so Coaching just became what I really, really loved. Um, And that was probably, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. Um, And I, you know, my business has sort of changed. Like I just sort of morphed my business into exactly what I want it. I do not want a big program. I have, you know, probably 10 full-time students. Um, I am not the easiest trainer to be with in the way that there will not be rain rod on your horses, um, that the manes will be pulled at all times. They will look beautiful all the time. 
Um, I deal with how their feet get done. I deal with whether or not they need any maintenance. Um, basically the, dis- I mean, I know what every single one of them eats. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, it's for me, I like going to shows and having no surprises. All of my students in my program are required to take at least two lessons a week. Um, and they're required to go to two shows a month at, Unless, you know, there's other, there's reasons they can't go. Um, So it's not for everybody, but I enjoy it because I'm able to teach them the horsemanship side of things as well, um, which to me is 10 times more important than the riding. Um, And I, I won't, I don't sort of accept that part lacking. Um. So, you know, so they all end up being very, they all end up being people that if for some reason they wanted to go off and be a working student for somebody, I would feel really proud sending them. Right. Um, but it also like it allows me to be there for them in, I mean, I've, I've gotten pretty lucky with the times. I do a lot of running around at shows, but it, it allows me to really be there for them as a coach at shows. Um, to mostly be there for every single phase. Um, and, you know, like I've had riders in the number one slot at the, and on the USEA leaderboard two years in a row. Every one of my riders was in the top three of area three last year. Wow. Um, so it, for me, it works, you know, I mean, that's the program that that's the way I enjoy doing the program. I don't, I don't want to have a factory of students where I don't have time and I'm canceling lessons because I, you know, I have just too much going on and I enjoy sort of being able to be there. And I have a really close relationship with my girls. I mean, they're like my daughters, you know, they can tell me anything and um, we all have a really good relationship. I have fantastic parents that let me do my job. Um, and don't question me and are respectful of the fact that this is, you know, this is why you pay me. I'm the professional here. Uh, it's my job to educate your kid and keep her safe. That's my job. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, Karen and I have talked about this privately before where there's different coaches for everybody, you know, so someone who a parent or, or a rider who wants to be in a in a program like that, where they have a coach that's dedicated, like not necessarily a working student where the rider's still competing themselves, And it's a little less, you know, it's just different or the, or the adult amateur who wants to come and kind of be able to, you know, lollygag around a little bit if they're not feeling it that, that you know, or, or, or right. you know, social time or something. So there's different coaches for yeah. everybody. I would, I would assume yeah. that that's not your student is the, the, the person who wants to come and chit chat and, you know, lollygag no, around I- the ring. <laughs> We have a lot of fun. Don't get, I mean, we have a blast. Like we can let loose. We cut up on each other. I mean, like it is a fun atmosphere, but it's, there's expectations for sure. Um, and everybody, I am very good uh, at, um, I lay those expectations up front. 
when somebody steps into my barn and says, hey, I'm thinking about joining your program, I'm like, all right, well, let's sit down and have a heart to heart because you better know, I want you to know kind of what you're getting yourself in for. Mm -hmm. Because I will know if you go to the barn, I will know if you rode your horse, like I will know those things and I will call you out on them. Now, are these people mostly trailering in or are they staying at the farm where you're at? Um, so I have three at this farm. Um, and then I have the, uh, I have, I have like two that ship in, um, the rights have their own barn. Beth Allen has her own barn. Um, so I, I travel to some people and they ship in as well. Um, you know, and again, keeping my program small allows that, um, you know, it allows me when, you know, when Lauren wants to go cross country schooling in Aiken because she feels like she needs a prep for a two star. It's not that hard for me to say, okay, I'll meet you in Aiken at four o'clock this afternoon. Wow. You know, and I hop in my car, I drive two hours to Aiken and, and I help her. Um, wow. That's awesome. So I think that's, fantastic. yeah. And it's, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it really, it works out well and it's just, it's just nice and it's, you know, it's comfortable. And like I said, we, everybody, I was so, you know, at chat, everybody was so busy and I just, sat back and I watched like all of my students helping each other out. And that means more to me than just about anything, you know, watching them like really dive in and help each other was so like, I just loved every minute of watching that. And, you know, and I make sure I'm as tough as I am. Like I also make sure that I send the messages telling them that that did not go unnoticed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that I really appreciate them doing that for each other. I love it. I love it. What about now the, the changing gears? You also have the correct connect business, correct? I do. Tell us about that, please. Okay. So correct connect is a training system that I designed ages ago and just didn't sort of have the experience to get it off the ground. Um, and then I still had a bunch of products. So I had a student a couple of years ago that was really riding the struggle bus, keeping a consistent contact. And I was like, you know what? I know I have some of those correct connect reins around and I put them on her and it was like instant the, you know, the difference. And I thought, you know, like, this is really stupid that you're not doing anything with this. So I went ahead and just sort of launched, relaunched it. And what it is, is the reins have the soft part of Velcro where sort of rubber would be or lace reins would be. And then the gloves have a small amount of Velcro just on the bottom of the fingers, on the, on the thumb, and a little bit on the palm. And it ju- it's just enough to really have that consistent contact. Um, it's, it's more of a training aid. Um, to learn muscle memory, to learn to really kick up into your hand, to send the horse into the contact, to learn how to be more elastic with your elbows, to not put the horse on the bit by changing your rein length constantly. Um, Same thing with jumping. A lot of people jump in them. Um, It's much easier to feel the horse's stride, to feel the horse's rhythm, to start to see a distance when you have that steady connection. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, it, it does very well. Um, you know, I'm very lucky that, um, you know, Buck is one of my business partners on it, Buck Davidson. I mean, he, I, I mentioned it to him and like, literally he called me a couple of days later and said, can you FedEx me some of those reins and gloves? Because like, I desperately need them on some of my five-star horses hmm. where I just feel like I just lose a connection a little bit. For himself. Yeah. For himself. Wow. He rides in them all the time. Wow. Kyle Carter does too. Is that right? Hmm. Yep. He has one horse that he, he cross countries in a lot um, because he, he just finds it hard to keep a steady connection with that horse. Um, yeah. I mean, I ride in them all the time. Wow. See, I thought like it was always for dressage. So that's, that's pretty, that's cool. Yeah. That's no, interesting. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's great. And the thing is like it, you know, it, it's one of those things, right? It's not, not, I don't know how to say this without being sounding terrible, but it's for the rider that actually really wants to learn how to ride a horse. Hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that the first time you ride in it, you're probably going to hate it because it actually forces you to do what you don't want to do. <laughs> you know, it forces you to keep your reins a steady and your horse is probably going to fight you a little bit. And then all of a sudden you're going to add leg and then it's just going to go away. Because the horse is going to thank you for not having the bit jostling or around in their mouth every five seconds. How about that? Um, but it's, it is not like it, it is for the rider that it's like, this is a serious problem and I need to sort it out. And those riders absolutely are like, die hard correct connect fans for life you know and then there are some people that are like oh this is way too difficult for me um and we try we suggest that they give it a little bit of time mm -hmm. you know um but it is a really unique and and just fantastic tool now is it the, uh, is it the type of thing that like you, you know people see it they get the kind of directions they put their hands on and they just kind of figure out how to use it or do you like have a YouTube video on how to use it. We do. YouTube we have thing. several. Yeah, we have several videos on YouTube. Um, and I, I there's some videos on our website. Okay. Um, but you know, I mean, it's it's pretty basic. Gotcha. You know, well, if someone I can mean, mess it up, it's me. So <laughs> I'm talking for the for the clumsy in the room. <laughs> there, there, there are several. Um, there are several videos on the Correct Connect YouTube. Gotcha. Um, of just sort of how to, and, um, you know, just kind of going through the motions and, you know, but it's the kind of thing, you know, if somebody says, well, when I go to, how do I do the stretching trot in them? Well, the good thing about them is that if your horse doesn't properly stretch, right. Horses that stretch, take the contact from you. You're probably not going to, the Velcro is probably not going to release. Because you need that pressure of the horse taking it from you. Okay. But the Velcro will just, it's just Velcro. Right. You know, and it's not like, um, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not like heavy duty. Like an industrial grade. Yeah, it's not industrial grade <laughs> Velcro. But, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm really, I'm really pleased with everybody that has sort of tried it and, wow. um, so yeah, and we're coming out with 
several other products. We have a we have like a really really cool product coming out on the market um, next month, but I'm not going to sort of say what it is. <sighs> man, oh man, it. it's two um, weeks in a row. We got these <laughs> next month. Call me next month. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, I mean, it's like, it's a super, it's a super cool tool. Um, And yeah, we have, you know, we have some other things that are sort of coming on the market that will just be, um, you know, just not necessarily training aids, but just some regular, really good leather goods. Um, And yes, you know, I mean, it's, it's, the growing business, like it's, you know, it's interesting because this was the, my first sort of go at really starting my own company. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, I mean, you just think oh, I'm just going to come up with this great idea and it's just, I'm going to be a millionaire. Right. It doesn't really work that way. No, it sucks when I know. that happens. I, know. I thought you that Angelique thing was just going to take off. Right. <laughs> I <know. laughs> like yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing sort of how, and, and I am so lucky to have the partners that I have because they do all of the stuff that I am really bad at um, and the stuff that I don't want to do and, you know, the stuff that I would probably like, you know, I, if I did dealt with anything with the website, I would probably like shut the website down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, a smart, a smart boss does that. They, you know, they recognize their weaknesses and they hire and they yeah. get with people that can complement their. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, I do most of the content um, and the videos and the pictures and, um, and stuff like that. And, you know, all the wording for the product. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I mean, it, it works out really well. I mean, we all we have a pretty good we have a pretty good team of ladies that is really you know really helping it build. But you know, I mean, it's like they say, like I mean, companies take two to three years to get off the ground, how long, and they're not how joking. I and mean, how long really have you do. been in business? Because I don't know, I don't remember. I just don't. All of a sudden, I saw a Correct Connect, but I don't remember how long yeah. has it been. Well, it's been about two years. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Huh. Oh, it seems yeah. like that. And what's this new dressage? Like, did I say like it's a USDF, like did some sort of approval thing or something? What was that about? So yeah, the the USEF and I I still we still need to make some phone calls to them, but they have decided that um it falls under a certain rule and they're not allowing it in eventing. Okay. Okay. Um, which I think we, uh, which I think we really need to have more conversation about. We just haven't really had the time to sort of really dive into it. Okay. Um, because you're actually not affixed to anything. Um, but it's, yeah, yeah, it's just kind of funny how the like sort of eventing dressage was like, no, but the United States Dressage Federation, which is our national federation for dressage said, yes that they had no problem with it being legal for competition. Wow. Hmm. Wow. So it's legal for competition. That's all legal for competition. That's huge. Very big. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that, that's interesting that like just straight. And and the thing is, you know, I mean, it's kind of a shame because it, it doesn't do anything, but help you keep, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything, but help you keep a steady contact. It does nothing, but, but, help your riding. Gotcha. 
it's not it's not a gadget it's not if you ride badly and your hands are everywhere it's not going to do anything you know it just helps you keep a more steady connection gotcha um hmm. i like it that sounds cool yeah i do too i like it and i'm yeah. glad that you explained it because i mean i really didn't know exactly how to, i knew it was some you know some velcro hook and loop type of stuff but i wasn't sure exactly how it all works so that's I appreciate you bringing it. And this is not sponsored, by the way. This is just what we do with everybody who has sponsors or anything else. So yeah. you know, for anyone that's listening at home just thinks this is a commercial for it, this is just a regular interview. Mm-hmm. And because this is part of what Jill does in her business, which is what we ask every guest, yep. of course, we're going to ask about Correct Connect. So um, so hopefully we don't get any nasty emails or anyone saying no, that we're trying we to hit won't. them. No, no one gives us nasty emails. No. Not us, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> And it correct connect is sort of who I am, you know, yeah. it's my, it's yeah. my thing. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's awesome. And yeah. I love entrepreneur. I love the entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. I, I love everything entrepreneurial. So I love hearing about it and, and, um, you know, we've got to support, support small business. Yes, we do. So we sure do. And yeah. as soon as she'll be rich and drive around in her Rolls Royce and yeah. we'll see, we'll see, we'll see Jill rolling in in a Bentley. Sipping a drink on her yacht. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, I'd probably get an Aston Martin. Nice. Before I'd get a Rolls Royce. Oh, I saw one for sale yeah. for a really good price. Yeah, no, I know the McHugh's <laughs> one for sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Oh yeah, no, I saw it. That's a beautiful car. Yeah. Yes, uh, it you is. Get some of that correct connect money in there. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. So, Jill, we are going to play quick fire questions. Quick fire oh. questions. <laughs> oh, no. oh no, that's the response we always oh, get. I know, just five silly questions. You know, just fun stuff. Zingers, little zingers. You know, you do get graded <laughs> at the end, though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you have any good luck or superstitions before you went out cross country? Um, I always prayed in a porta john. Oh. In a portage. In a portage. Like, what's taking Jill so long in there? She's just really nervous. Hopefully, not on your knees or anything. Just oh. no. But I- <laughs> Karen's been hanging out with me too long. That's something I would I mean, say. I'm just being honest. <laughs> that's that's a good answer. That is a good one. Uh, favorite rider growing up? Bruce Davidson. Wow. Yeah. So if that's your favorite rider growing up, and then you're on a team with him, that must have been just yeah. like, what, is it is it is it not cool to ask for his autograph when you're on the team with him, like teammates? I guess that's faux pas. <laughs> I mean, I you know I have several things with his autograph on it where mine is next to his, and I'm like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, how many people can say that with their idol? Yeah, they were on a team, got a silver medal, on a podium next to him, and now I'm business partners with his son. Right, that's incredible. You know. That's a great family. That's awesome. Great family. Uh, favorite event to compete at? Kentucky. Yeah. No brainer. No brainer. Yeah. That was yeah, over the Olympics. Me. And I, and I'm just gonna and I'm just gonna call it Rolex. <laughs> <laughs> well, back in your day it was oh. Rolex. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm gonna get. Yeah. I'm gonna get heat. And I'm still gonna call it that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. If they made a movie about your life, who would you want to play you? Oh boy. Um. Well, I mean, I can tell you who people think I look like, so that's probably who I'd get. Cameron Diaz. 
Cameron Diaz. I see it. I see it. Yeah, now, yeah, I see it now. I wonder if she can ride horses. That's it. Got to put out a call to a casting call to Cameron Diaz. And I think she's. I just think she's kind of cool too. You know, she's yeah. like kind of quirky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good answer. All right, last question. If you could ride any horse, past, present, or fiction, who would it be? Out and about. Who's out and about? Who's out and about? Carrie Milliken's Olympic horse in 96. Oh, wow. Okay. It full thoroughbred, just probably one of the best event horses that ever walked the face of the earth. Really? Hmm. I got to look that up. Yeah, I have to look that one up. I feel like I'm, I'm a bit slacker. Whatever. I'm a slacker over here. I don't know that. I should know these things. Big time yeah. podcast. Yeah. Really cool horse. That's yes. cool. That's funny. So you're sitting there on your Olympic thoroughbred and you're drawing over someone else's Olympic thoroughbred horse. That's wild. Yeah. Hers was a little fancier than my $600 horse. <laughs> <laughs> well, Karen, I would say A plus. Oh, yeah, definitely. You win, Jill. Excellent answers. The prize is in the mail. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I'll send you my address. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, Jill, do you have any advice for a young rider or an amateur trying to make it in this sport? Uh, well, you know, I mean, some of it just goes back to what I've already said. Like, be sure that it's what you want to do. And if it's what you want to do, it will never be work. But I truly believe that's sort of my motto in life. Um, I think that people should find what they love and make a career out of it. Um, and you know, I, I guess sort of a little bit, you know, do if, if you work for somebody or no matter what you do in horses, do extra. Love it. Do extra. If you work for somebody, prove to them you do extra without even being asked, you know, like make 110% effort in everything that you do and then go play when you have a day off, let it go. But 110% hold yourself accountable to being the best person that you can be the best horseman you can be, which will make you the best rider you can be because what people don't understand is that if they really want it and they work that hard, professionals will notice and will give them opportunity. They will notice. One person will notice. Like if I if I notice somebody working really hard, I might not have what they want, but I'd go to a Philip, I'd go to a Buck, and I would say, listen, I saw this kid. She's a good rider, but more importantly, like she busts her ass. Like we take her on, like I'd make something like that happen, you know, and that's how opportunity, you know, happens. And it's not about money. You know, I mean, I know Buck would take a hard worker over somebody with money every day of the week and twice on Sundays. I love it. So. I love that yeah. message, Karen. Yeah, I do Karen, too. you know I love that message. Yes. Like, Jill's like my spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was as courageous as you, but you're you're. I I, I, I agree with so much of what you say. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's incredible. We're 
we're all in this, we're cut from the same cloth, I think. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I believe in all that, like just yeah. the hard work and just, uh, yeah. and the fact that you're going to recognize when, so, you know, I, I'm very similar. Someone's, I'm a hard person, but I recognize that when people are working hard and I try and, and mm-hmm. to acknowledge hard work and yeah, so I love it. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think it's important. I think it's really important to, to, you know, like as a coach, I think it's really important to set your expectations up front. Um, you know, like I don't have, I don't have the, the sort of problems that most people have in their barns because everybody knows up front what's expected. Um, so we don't have, drama and arguments and like we just don't have that around here i love it um and it just it's like really pleasant that's awesome yeah that's nice you know it's really nice like we actually have fun together we all do all the time well i believe that when you have structure and you have you have a defined expectation everyone knows the boundaries yeah and and when you're within those i I think that's so important and karen you and i've talked about this privately yeah like Mm -hmm. when there's a boundary if if it's if it's basically a hard boundary and everyone knows the boundaries as long as they're within the boundaries everyone can have a good time and it's easy going you know yeah it's when the boundaries are kind of uh you know blurred and today i'm in a bad mood so today i want the boots polished and the horses you know main pulled but you know next week i'll be kind of feeling kind of chill so i'll let some of that slide you know and that's when you have arguments and stuff because people don't know when 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 you know what what the rules are this week mm-hmm. so i like when there's a fixed fixed expectations and boundaries and i love it i love what you're saying I love yeah you're and saying. you know i mean shoot it's it just i i don't believe in being like i think being average is boring you know like yeah. don't be average it doesn't it doesn't matter what you do that is an average, but don't be average at it. Sounds good you to know? me. Sounds good to me. Um, I got to step my game up. I'm getting soft. Joe's inspiring me. Right here, Karen. <laughs> oh, God. Watch I'm a out. Man. Look out, Karen. <laughs> I want to see them. The, the bed's got to be made every morning. <laughs> Military corners. No, I'm just kidding. I'm the worst at making beds. And I was a Marine, but <laughs> I'm still like. And his cover. So uh, that's awesome. <laughs> so hey, uh, again, how, how do people follow along your 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 writing business, the correct to connect? How what what are the uh, websites and so forth? Social so media? the correct connect website is um, ride correct connect, um, and and you can you can look it up on Facebook. It's just correct connect. Um, and then as far as I go, you know, you can follow me, my Jill Henneberg page, and I have a Nirvana equestrian page as well, gotcha. named after my horse, Love it. um, that I don't update very often. <laughs> I should. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, those two things, you know, you can certainly find me on. Cool. Very cool. Very now, cool. Hey, and we always, I always post, um, parts of lessons on there. So there's sort of an educational component to my page as well. We always, we always have videos of the girls jumping or doing some dressage. And actually I think on our correct connect uh, page, I might start doing some sort of live lessons. Um, So people should look out for that because they can get a free education for a half an hour. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. I love it. So, hey, and before we let you go, finally, the, the, the Olympic silver medal, is that like with you? Is that at home? Do you, do you is that on like a under lock and key somewhere? Or, oh, oh, she's getting she up. She got up. She's getting she's up. running. I must be local. Oh, that was quick. Oh, there it is. Ooh. Wow. Look how wow. shiny that is. Oh, my yep. goodness. See, that's the front. Oh, my God. You see that? It's yeah. beautiful. And then they were all in Atlanta. They were all sports specific. Can you see that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the horse. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Oh, my God. And you know, it's really funny because, like, I knew the horses on there, but a friend of mine is a silver medal from Atlanta in trap shooting. And, like, I had no idea that on the on the rim, on the small rim, it says three-day eventing. Wow. Oh, neat. So it's, like, you when you think about it, there's only – four of these in the world. Wow. <laughs> well, there would be five of them, right? Because there's four on the team and, and then there would be one individual. Wow. Wow. Could you snap some shots of that with maybe with you with it and then maybe send them? Maybe we can make that the profile picture of this sure. episode. That'd be cool. That's that is so a beautiful cool. medal. It is. Not all medals so cool. are that good looking. Some of these it medals they see. The most beautiful. I mean, I've seen a lot of medals. Uh-huh. It is by far the most beautiful Olympic medal. Yeah. Some look like CDs and stuff. Like I'm not yeah. down with that. Like they went a little too contemporary. I like that. Just that looks like an Olympic the, medal. Yeah, traditional. I mean, the detail on it is stunning. That's awesome. And I love that the edge has that three day yeah. on it. That is so, that cool. is so I know cool. it's, it's really cool. And it's shiny. It's really cool. I wasn't expecting it to be so shiny. I don't know. I know it's silver, but I don't know. I was expecting it to look like a quarter. Well, I think, I think it polished it not that long ago. Gotcha. It looks good. I would polish it too. I'd, I'd wear that sucker around. Oh, I'd wear that thing out. Like if I was single, I'd wear that out like to like the bar and be like. <laughs> like a medallion. Yeah. Unbuttoned shirt. With Unbuttoned the- shirt. Yeah. Wear it was like, yeah, a necklace. That's not a necklace. That's my silver medal. Oh, then again, I'm corny. In a leisure suit. In my leisure suit. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, Jill's like, get me the hell out of here. So. Well, Jill, Karen, thank you. Jill, Karen, what do you think? This I'm, is I'm getting, great. Uh, this yes. is awesome. Yes. Awesome. I embarrass myself. I don't know. Who do I embarrass more? You or me? I embarrass myself um, for sure with my things I say. Yeah, I, I should know. edit it. Y'all are great. <laughs> well, Jill, thank you so much. We, we really, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's show. To learn more about Major League Eventing, go to MajorLeagueEventing.com and join our mailing list to get all the Major League Eventing updates. Cheers!